They're marching down the street. These guys are. You know what? They're not alive anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. I mean, Clancy, those are World War One veterans. How very dare you? to another episode of Nonplussed. Uh, that's Clancy. And that's Josh. And we are your co-hosts for Nonplussed, a Disney Plus podcast. Hi. 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 Hi, honey. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah? Yeah, I was, uh, it, it's good to be back and recording again. It is. And uh, I am very much in the mood to talk about the movie that we watched. Yes. But let, I mean, let's talk about how things have been going because we've, we've come out of the closet. We have come out of the closet. So originally we were recording this in a closet in Round Rock. Yeah. That was, that did hold my drag stuff. But we've moved out of there because we've realized that uh, when we're in such close quarters in a room that is not specifically designed for that. It was, it was just a beast to edit. Yeah. We, yeah. So we got some equipment, we've got a table, we've got stuff together and. Yep. We're seated and stuff and we're ready for the holidays. But speaking of the holidays, we did see Rise of the Skywalker. Yes, we did. Rise of the Skywalker? Yes, Rise of the Skywalker. Yeah. And we have thoughts about it, but I think it's probably best. Like what do you think? We we that's something that's not something we want to gloss over in like a news section, right? No, I don't think so. I think we have a whole episode's worth of material for that. So I feel like we could we could do we at least uh, need to see it again. For sure. We we need to see it again, A, because, yes. you know, the, the first time it was, okay, you know, experiential. Mm-hmm. Um, but also we saw it in 3D, which was fine, except when it wasn't. I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see it in 2D and how that, how it, I don't know, how it affects me differently, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I mean... If nothing else, my eyes aren't going to be as tired. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised we didn't fall asleep. That was a pretty late showing. Anyway, point being, you will do an episode about it later after we've seen it. Yeah, for sure. A couple more times. All of this to say, we're also not going to talk about Mandalorian in this episode. No, we've we've kind of we've rethought it a because the whole season is pretty much out. But I feel like we can talk about the Mandalorian as a whole and what we liked about it, um, what we didn't like about it. And what we absolutely loved about it. Um, it's a whole episode of content. I think so. And like, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. In other news, um, we also got a giant Ursula Funko Pop. Yep. She is in the Yogibo right now. <laughs> she's and sitting she is, in this big Yogibo beanbag chair. We don't know where she's going to go yet. I mean, she's still in her box. She was on sale at Barnes and Noble. She glows in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, we, we, so we came out of the closet, which should also, uh, we should backtrack a bit. We, I feel like we kind of danced over it in the intro episode, but the biggest reason that we're sharing a Disney plus account is because we're married and we live together. Yes. We're married to one another. We are husbands, husgays, if you will. Yeah. Uh, he liked it. So he put a ring on it. I did. So all this to say is, um, 
we're gonna our new show format for now is we're gonna open the show and banter just like we did. That was a great example of banter, Clancy. It's so good. Well done. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. Oh. So we're gonna open the show <laughs> with banter, and then we're gonna talk about the movie, and then we're gonna pick the next movie and do some other banter. There will probably be some jokes, maybe some heartfelt childhood memories. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna watch some movies, and we're gonna live and learn and laugh and maybe cry a little bit. Maybe eat, pray, love. Is that a Disney Plus movie? I don't think it is. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It is. Yeah. Anyway, so what are we talking about, Clan? We watched the movie Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. Yes. I had seen it. <laughs> I had not seen it. I mean, I may have seen bits and pieces or heard some of the music before, but never start to finish watched it. Never. Had no idea. This movie was wild. I didn't realize that there were Nazis. Yeah. In this movie. Yeah, when I was recapping the plot last time, I thought <laughs> I said police. But this is a lot different. It was. I like to think that that this movie runs adjacent to Indiana Jones. I, yeah. You know what I mean? Like at the same time. Yeah, because that was, again, in, in Indiana Jones. And, you know, we could definitely cover those films later. That's Hitler's whole thing is like trying to find magical artifacts to help him get power. You know, that was a whole, there's you, a whole. They, I wonder if they do exist in the same universe. I hope so. But Never. suffice it to say, yes, it was a witch fighting Nazis. It gave us big Poppins vibes, right? For sure. It felt because like it entered development in the 60s when the sequel negotiations for Mary Poppins sort of fell through. Because if you've seen Saving Mr. Banks, yep. you know that that the relationship between Walt and P.L. Travers um, was really contentious and that she didn't like the movie and yada, yada, yada. So they'd started developing this alongside those kind of like rocky negotiations. But because it was too similar... It kept getting kind of like pushed out. Right. Yeah. Once, once Mary Poppins was greenlit that, yeah, they were like, they can't do both of these movies at the same time. Yeah. And that, that's not the only David Tomlinson isn't the only actual uh, Mary Poppins connection though. Right. No, there is another connection. Reginald Owen, who played Admiral Boom. Yeah. Is in both movies. And this was his last film. It right? was his last film. Aww. Yeah. And also, by the way, all of this information um, we're pulling from Wikipedia. So if any of it's wrong, obviously you probably know why, but we're doing our best to kind of fact check. And uh, the version that we watched was the theatrical cut, which was the original version that came out. This in the is the theaters. one. Okay. This is the one that's available on Disney plus is the theatrical cut. Correct. And that's 118 minutes long. And that's different because, because they re-released it in 1979 with a 96 minute cut that muted most of the songs in it. And uh, the only songs that were actually included were Portobello road and beautiful briny sea and Portobello road was cut down to three minutes from 10. Oh yeah. And then uh, yeah, 1996 they rediscovered when they were like remastering some of the stuff, they rediscovered that there were um, three additional songs that were recorded mm. and created a new extended edition to add those three songs in, which was, I think like 139 minutes long. And then the Blu-ray came out. They remastered it again. Um, they put the film back to the original length, which was 118 minutes. Yep. And then uh, they added all the rest the restored parts as bonus features. So the one we're going off of is the theatrical release. Right. And this came up because like as we were re preparing for this episode, we were re reviewing the plot. It's like, wait a minute. I don't remember if these songs were actually what? in there. Right. Yeah. And or which song is technically the last song of the film, which it turns out is halfway through the film. 
I mean, but I guess that makes sense with them cutting those three songs. Like there's, there are some pacing issues with this movie. And I think that's probably a little bit of that, that there was a lot of edits made, especially at the time it came out. The German version had the Nazis completely removed. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. And somehow that movie worked over there. I don't know. Like... (laughs) 1971 comes out directed by Robin Robert Stevenson based on the book, the books, the magic bed knob or how to become a witch in 10 easy lessons. And then the other book was bonfires and broomsticks, both by Mary Norton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cast, as we said, it was David Tomlinson, David Tomlinson as professor Amelius Brown, but built above him, the star Angela Lansbury as Eglantine price. We had Ian Wayhill as Charlie Cindy <laughs> O'Callaghan as Carrie and then bless his heart. Roy Snart as, as Paul. Paul. We open with long intro credit scene. Yeah. Which is all like medieval art, which I, it basically covers the plot of the movie. Yeah. Like, it's like medieval tapestry art. Mm-hmm. Like there's that exhibit at the Blanton downtown. Oh, right. That is like the medieval monsters exhibit. Mm-hmm. It's basically what this looks like. And it really makes me want to go check out those. I think it's, we need to go. It's, I think we it do. ends in January. But there's like those fish with legs. Oh, right. And they're like really, really creepy. And that's kind of what I want to go see that exhibit because sure. I want to see the originals. <laughs> and then we open on the on-screen text. Do you want to read it? I don't think it's very necessary. So England, August in the year 1940. Again, a time for valor, a time for whispered events now fading with the passing years. This is how they're essentially describing World War II and the Blitz with this, I don't know, Robert Frost-esque poem. I don't know. I mean, yeah, where is this from? It's from nothing. Like, it's literally just... Anyway, we open with that on-screen text overlooking the English coast. And then we're zooming in on this village that we find out is called Peppering Eye. Yep. As a military vehicle pulls up to an old man painting out the signs. But here's the thing. Even as he's painting the signpost, it says it's a quarter of a mile away or whatever. Right. And then the colonel's just like, turn, turn here. And it's literally like the one village on the horizon. Yeah. It's very keep calm and carry on. That's what it is. Fair, right? fair enough. Yes. So we get into the town. It's the Blitz. It's World War II. We go to the tiny town of Peppering Eye on the English coast, which apparently has the most amazing historical museum, which has now been closed and co-opted as a baby mart. And which is where we meet the first three kids. Well, the only three kids, the kids, we meet the kids. There's a lot of children, (laughs) but there's only three kids that we, yeah, that we care about right now. But we we open on the world war one vets. Yes. Where they are marching through the streets. Bless their hearts. The old home guard, old home guard. Yeah. It's the war. People are being evacuated. They're in this country village. They're handing out kids. Mm -hmm. Suddenly a motorcycle exploding sulfur. It's Miss Eglantine Price. Yes. And she like rolls up to the front only there to get a package. Apparently. Yes. She's going to pick up her mail, which it's not connected to the historical society. It's just the woman who runs the post office is also running the pick up your kids drive. Right. Right. So she shows up, she gets her package, which it's a firebolt. It's a Nimbus 3000 <laughs> postmistress is like, yes, here's your package. But also I have your kids. Yes. Because they've been evacuated from London and they're, you know, she's got that big old house. Yeah. So let's talk about these kids real quick. Charlie is a dick and I, <laughs> I get it. You know, you, you're, you've been 
like stripped away from your home and you are now just trying to like take your frustrations out sure, on everybody. But also he's like, literally labeled so that they won't forget yeah. who he is. All of those kids have little name tags. Oh no. And once she's taken those off, she can't return those kids. Right. Cause yeah, once you've removed the tag, that's they're yours. <laughs> that's how it works. They complained about dinner almost immediately. Well, that, he does. Yeah, he does. Saying that they don't have any fried foods or anything healthy like fried foods. I think that was a line. I don't remember. Yeah. We've Hold on. We have skated over a very important and confusing <laughs> part of this movie, and it's that cat. Oh, my Cosmic God. Cosmic Creepers. Cosmic Creepers is the best. Cosmic Creepers was literally ridden over and hung up wet. Because... I'm pretty sure that she received Cosmic Creepers in the mail the same way that she did the broom. <laughs> it, she's got to just be complete. I mean, I get packages from Amazon right now and they are awful looking. But yeah, like I said, the kids, they were Charlie is just awful. What do they do? Little Charlie asshat decides that, you know, they, they've got to make their way back to London. Yeah. Completely ignoring the fact that the reason that they're there in the first place is because London is being bombed. And where are they going to go? It's not like they can walk back to London, but I mean, maybe that's their plan. Maybe that's, maybe that's the plan. I don't know that Charlie really ever spells it out, but as they're escaping, they catch her. Uh, when she, so she's basically downstairs while they're escaping out the window. Oh, yeah. So she unwraps, she unwraps the, her Amazon package, yeah. proceeds to try to sit on it like a lady, realizes that's not going to work and just straddles it. <laughs> She opens up the window. She flies out the window and the kids see her flying out the window as right. As she's trying, trying to, to learn to fly. And, and these <laughs> kids not, it's not like they're like, Oh crap. There's a, there's a witch. No, it's she's a witch. Oh yeah. Just nonchalant about it. Well, I mean, again, it was rough in the forties in London. The next day he decides to blackmail her over breakfast, you know, cause he's a fine upstanding young lad. She didn't see that they were trying to escape. I I think they just saw that and then went back in the house, right? Well, no, she crashed. Yes, they went back in and then he decided that he was going to blackmail her for money. And that's where we get right. the line about, have you ever heard of a rich witch? It's like, you've got this Tudor mansion. Yeah. I I, I mean, it's got like a ton Char of bedrooms. Charlie's like, asshattery mm. aside, I don't think it's unfair to assume she's got a little bit of money. Yeah, because she's living on her own. She's got plenty of things. It's not like she's hurting. for Like there was no hurting for food. She's literally has disposable money to buy these to be the, yeah, she's, she's definitely like, <laughs> she's buying, she's a middle-aged white lady with nothing to do with her money. Cause she has no kids. She's a mail order witch. Right. She's got disposable income. She bought a cat she's, in the mail. She bought a broom in the mail. <laughs> she oh, has a motorcycle. That, that cat how many, how many ugh. single white ladies had motorcycles with sidecars? Why does she have the sidecar? Yeah, the sidecar didn't make any I sense. I need to see the prequel to this film. Unless, yeah. <laughs> I need to see how Eglantine Price became Eglantine Price. She at some point decided that she was a witch or that had these powers and seeked well, out. She, she specifically sought it out because she thought it was the, the best way to help with the war effort. So yeah, there's got to be like her as a child making the glass disappear on a, on a reptile exhibit. Right. Yeah. So she she makes this all better by offering them the traveling spell. Well, one Paul pulls that, that bed knob oh, yeah. out of somewhere. Who? who? Paul, the Paul, blonde right, one, the, the, yeah, the little the bitty one. one. Yeah. You know, snart. Yeah, because we haven't actually introduced all. The, we have Charlie, who's the oldest. Yes. The the middle child is Claire. Claire, and then Paul is the youngest. Yes. So, so yeah, not Claire, Carrie, Carrie. It's Charlie, Carrie, and Paul. Charlie, Carrie, and Paul. All right. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know where he pulls out like or he's why is he stealing? A he's a little knob? thief. He, but why? What is he going to do with he that? He is a cherubic it worth thief. Anything. It was golden. He, he might have. Yeah, I don't know. It was gold. brass. Probably he could have yeah. gotten some money for it. Somebody could melt it down. Maybe that's he didn't maybe. even get to keep my damn tiara. Had to turn <laughs> it in for scrap. It's that whole thing. Yeah. So she cast a spell on the bed knob. It had to yeah. be something that twists. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I've got this. No ring, no bracelet, nothing like that. A bed knob. Sure. Well, the she gets that letter. Yeah. Saying that, well, there's the whole bed thing and then age of not believing because she's like, well, you know. Oh, yeah. We got the first song. He, yes. He Well, the second song. Oh, right. The first and this song is the one that. that was Oscar nominated that year. Yes. Um, and it lost to Shaft. <laughs> so you're saying that Shaft and this movie came out at the same time? Yes. <laughs> Never mind. They remade Shaft in the 90s, though, right? Mm-hmm. That was actually the first R-rated movie that I was ever taken to. Oh my god! <laughs> was the remake of Shaft. <laughs> um, anyways, so we get through that. Uh, she gets the letter in the mail. Uh, suddenly, oh no, the school is closed mm-hmm. because of the war. The school is closed, and they decide they need to get to London, and they could do it with a bed. Charlie's shitty about it because that's who Charlie is. Yeah. At one point, she turns him into a rabbit. <laughs> And lets her cat chase him around the house to teach him a lesson about magic. Terrifying. This is, I mean, this then is again, probably like, why she doesn't have kids. Like Charlie, that cat has seen some shit. Yeah. Most notably Ooh. the inside of a box from London. She was shipped. They, Everybody's on the bed. They're taken off and they're whisked through the same freeway that Willy Wonka takes the boat on. Oh my God. Just. I, I just don't understand. Which way the river's flowing. Yeah. <laughs> And then this bed just lands in London, and that's fine. Yes. It's just fine for everybody walking by. <laughs> Nobody asks about this bed until nope. it is literally shoved in front of until them. Until it's literally shoved in front of them. And they land, and the minute they land, what does Charlie say? He bitches that they can't find the professor. <laughs> like, you just got like, here. Yeah. I'm sorry. This bed took you a th- maybe, I don't know how far away it is, but 500 miles? Minimum. Minimum. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how big England is. <laughs> in seconds. Yeah. And he's complaining that it didn't get him close enough to his destination. Never mind that the dude Ugh. is literally right there. He's like, I don't see a Professor Brown. It's because he hasn't set up his magical table yet, you little asshole. Which Calm his down. table is my favorite I, thing. I want a shelf like that. Just blah, 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 and it's open. We realize at this point that he's kind of a swindler. Yeah. Um, he, he's pet- charlatan. Yeah, he's peddling all these things that actually don't work. He did a couple of tricks that don't work. On the streets of London during the Blitz. Yes. <laughs> People have better things to worry about. Well, he's kind of, it's a little bit of escapism, right? Like, if he were good at it, maybe. Fair. <laughs> and that's the whole thing, is that she can actually do the magic, but he can't. He's yeah. like, I just, some nonsense words from a book I found. And immediately, like, at, once he realizes that she can do magic, dollar signs in his eyes. In like, his eyes. Just... I mean, they might as well have everything from then up until Portobello Road is him going, oh, yeah, no, 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 come back, come back, come back, come back, it's fine, it's fine. They go back to to his quote unquote house. Yeah, which is not his house. And why is it not his house? Because there's a bomb in front of it. There's a bomb. An unexploded bomb is literally in the front yard and they're just nonchalantly walking past it. It's just kind of wild and bananas. Anyways, they get inside. She's all about the book. She's she's 100% Hermione energy at this point. 
Where's this book? Where's this book? Where's it? He's like, let's have dinner. No, it's, we'll do it by candlelight. Why are the windows closed? Oh, it's just so we can enjoy the atmosphere. No, so the cops don't catch you. Yeah. <laughs> like, Char- again, Charlie has seen some shit. Yeah. He's a jerk, but it's because he's had a rough life. I think right. you're too hard on him. Well, I, I still, I, he's still up to this point is just awful and he's a little brat. actively acting against everyone. He's a little brat. Yeah. And so they send them off to a big scary house alone. So dinner finishes Eglantine book, and book book. Right. So they're in the library. Professor Brown jumps into this whole thing about how she's going to be his sidekick. Essentially. Imagine how Uh, awesome my magic show would be if you were doing real magic and making me look good. Which begins the misogyny in this movie. Right. That is just so rampant. Like it left a bad taste in my mouth. I was just like, this is, this is not great. I almost feel like it might be a contextual thing, right? Like I think Mm -hmm. because it is otherwise a relatively progressive movie, especially when you compare the thought like the the similarities to Mary Poppins, there's that whole subplot of of Mrs. Banks and her suffragette movement mm-hmm. with the same guy playing the same sort of misogynistic role, right? I, I just I wonder if it's if it was the reason it was funny was because it was absurd. Like he is an idiot for being this misogynist. Look how funny that is. Whereas now it's straight up cringe. Yeah, because you know, yeah, it was yeah. Or or maybe <laughs> our read is the correct read and it really is that cringy. Yeah. I'd be I, interested I, to know what what other And again, are. it's yeah, th- those are, those were parts of this movie that I couldn't handle and that was I mean, again, it's a movie of its time, I guess, you know. Well, and follow yeah. up with he's like, "Oh, wait, never mind. I don't actually have the book. I just wanted to yeah. corner you and it, persuade you to do this." To do- so Eglantine, who gives no fucks about None. any of that, Mm-mm. turns this bitch into a rabbit. She wants because she wants that damn book. <laughs> so yeah, finally finds half of the book because for some reason it's tattered and torn into two pieces. Right. Um. And uh, yeah, he turns back from a rabbit. Somehow never realized that book was not whole. Right. Th- that's how little he cared about this book whenever he found it. Yeah. So. She starts going through it, trying to find the uh, the spell that she had been looking. The, the last spell, spell the final, the final course, which was uh, what was what was the the spell that she was looking That's for? The substitutionary locomotion. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they don't have. She's, she's like, like, well, where is it that we could find? He's like, I got the book at Portobello Road, right? Which is where they head next. And it's this like the big montage, you know, in Portobello Road. It's like a big market and it's very multicultural. But I swear, so those were darker skinned guys in brown face. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit cringy. It's a little bit cringy. Yeah, it was a little bit cringy. Yeah, I mean, it's still a great number. You get some vandalism. I'm convinced Paul is actually a young Banksy (laughs) when he puts the bowler hat on that bus and he draws the mustache on it. He actually made that worth more money than absolutely was sitting. That was art. I would buy that. The fact that they go to this place and they start looking at all these carts with books. And they're just picking up whole books. You know that you're only looking for half of a book. And you know so how big be, that book is. Exactly. And what the pages look like. You shouldn't be picking up random books. Literally and, every damn and, thing. And, and like. It's like, no, Eglantine, uh, that's a people magazine. <laughs> Put that down. Jeez. That's that's the Funkin' Wagnalls M. 
Let's talk about this whole number, which is 10 minutes long. It is so a long. long production. Yes. I want to talk about the Scottish dancers. And those knees. Yes. Just absolutely breathtaking knees. <laughs> Uh, we got all of the traditional dances of the British Isles because yes. we got the, the the Scottish knees with kilts and maybe they were traditionally dressed underneath. But then we got like the high step and Irish grannies. Yep, that was delightful. And then we had the sailors that were like uh, all those sail. You know what? We need to go to London just to see if we can find some sailors to dance with in Portobello Road. Exactly. Splish. So then there's a bad guy and we know that he's a bad guy because he's got a fedora and a pencil mustache. He just pops up. And he just pops up as they're asking about that book and then he waddles away oh, sinisterly. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of like wah, 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 wah. The music number is still happening. Still going. Still going on. Like we are just cutting back and forth back between and forth, this. And it's kind of choppily edited. It is choppily edited. It feels like they had a bunch of set pieces and they sort of just kind of slotted them all yeah. in together. Uh, we get to finally the set piece where um, Eglantine gets wrangled oh. into dance. Yes, it's which, very it's very Mary Poppins doing step in time. It is. But it also you, you see her kind of like, no, I don't want to do this. And then she's into it. One hundred percent. I was living for her. And then Zoot Suit Riot McPencil Stash comes back. Yes. And pulls a knife on them. Yes. The <laughs> smallest knife. The smallest knife. And. She's a literal <laughs> witch. And she's like, oh, oh no. Tiny butter knife. Oh no. Oh, no. What are we going to do? It's just, we have to follow this guy. Obviously. There's five of us and a bed. Right. He's got a knife. But I mean, to her credit, she's like, well, this is the only guy that's given me any sort of clue up yep. until this point. So yeah, let's just humor it. Cut to the basement. Cut to a basement off Portobello Road. Right. Enter bed. <laughs> Slides down the stairs first. Like first, <laughs> they just it just comes crashing down, and then just yeah, these beds. That's some English industrial age quality <laughs> sliding down those stairs into the basement uh. layer of the bookman. So come to find out, this guy has the other half of the book. This is what we've been looking for. Yes, they come together in a moment of you know, well. Obviously, we need both of these scholarship. And, it's yeah. a moment of scholarship, right? They come together, they put the book together, and then they realize that there's a page missing between the two. Or maybe there's not a page. No, they connect it because what it says is the spell which creates the force. This force is five mystic words. These words are and that was Eglantine's yeah. page. And then his picks up engraved on the star that was always worn on the sorcerer Astaroth. Now, did he now did this guy actually think that? This was actually magical. That's the impression I got is like he wanted to complete the spell too. And they still can't get the spell because it's not finished in the book. The book just says this is where the spell is. But is he doing it just for like, because it doesn't seem like he, like he was blown away when the, they disappeared by magic. I, it, to me, it just yeah. seems like, does did he actually able to do this? Or was he more just like, I want to have this complete book. I think it was kind of like a, yes, like a mania of, of information because he goes on to play, you know, that's not a knife. This is a knife you know, to try to get the kid to hand over the comic book. Exactly. And that's when they very slowly escape on the bed. <laughs> but also real quick, shady guy. Yeah. Who I don't remember his name. Swinburne. But I, Swinburne. His tie looks like a piece of pizza. It does. <laughs> but it looks like a piece of pizza that wasn't treated well. No. It was thrown around in the box. It was maybe dragged on the ground and then was put on a tie. 
That's how you know he's a bad guy, Clancy. That tie and his pencil mustache. <laughs> so they escape to the Isle of Numbumbu. And this is where we basically find out that this Astaroth character is essentially Dr. Moreau. Yes. he In, <laughs> in his retirement age, he found an island and cast magical spells until he cre- could create animal people who then turned on him and banned all humans. And they don't land on land. No. They land underwater. Under the sea. This was done much better than than I think the Mary Poppins sequence was oh, done. Oh, absolutely. Everything seemed a lot more crisp. Everything was much more vibrant. They it seems like they have figured out that technology. It was just like, okay, now let's implement this perfectly. Yeah. It was really, really neat. And a little bit of research. I uh, looked up the process that they used for this specifically for the, the cartoon layering with the humans, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the process that they used for this was called the sodium vapor process or yellow screen. Oh, so the idea is, is they have a white background that all of the actors play in front of. Uh Um, They light that, that white background with a sodium vapor lights. So these are lights that are similar to on the street lamps, the old street lamps that were like super, super yellow orange. Oh, okay. Yeah, like yeah, those, yeah. like they don't use them anymore because LED is much easier to use and whatever. Those are, uh, I think it's like a high vacuum bulb. These ones are lower vacuum bulbs, but the, the, the thing that makes these important or what makes this important is that they put out a specific, um, a spectrum of light okay. that a, uh, that certain types of film can only pick up. So the film that the film oh. that they used for color didn't actually pick up that spectrum. And so what they would do is they'd actually they had a specialized camera that they made that had a prism that was put into it that would break the image off into two and actually record into two different film strips of film. Okay. One of those was black and white that was treated specifically to pick up that color and that created a mat that, that they could then overlay on top of the actors and would create almost perfect uh, uh, separation for the background. Like it's okay. really, really neat. And other processes like this had been used before, like blue screen, but those ones required a lot more chemical treatment and you were scanning the film more times with that process than you would with yellow screen. The only problem with yellow screen and the really reason why it didn't take off or was used as widely was because they were only able to make one prism that could do this separation. <laughs> Oh, for whatever reason, like Disney only was able to recreate one that worked well once. And that was in a camera that they used for Mary Poppins that they used for bed knobs and broomsticks. Uh-huh. They used in Pete's dragon. Oh. Um, oh, yeah, there yeah. were a bunch of films that it was used in, but yeah, it's a, it's a really neat kind of process. And they actually used it all the way up until like the 1990s. I think the last movie that they did with it, uh, last used in the movie, Dick Tracy. I don't know what part, <laughs> So some of the other movies were like Escape to Witch Mountain. Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds actually used it. Oh, wow. Um, And that's how they were able to get like the fluttering of the birds to match really well. They were able to do some really awesome things with that, with that process. It was really easy to do if you had the camera, which again, there was only one of. And then that plus like all the wire work that was done and the way that that was shot. Yeah. And I mean, it's like those are clearly, I mean. On our gigantic TV in yes. the amazing resolution, like we can tell that well, those this are one wasn't doubles. 4K. This one was only 1080p. That is the, the highest though, resolution version that it, it exists of this movie. We were seeing a high a higher resolution than we would have sitting in the theater in 1971. Or anybody watching this on VHS on a 17 inch screen. Point being, those were doubles. Yeah, but it was still shot so well, mm-hmm. and it was so fluid. You really didn't notice. You really didn't notice, which is yeah. uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, helped them win the Oscar. Granted. 
There was only one other film nominated that year, and it was called When Dinosaurs Ruled the Earth. <laughs> it was a British sci-fi film, and it was the third in the Cave Girl series. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Bedknobs and Broomsticks beat it out. So they enter a dance contest simply by showing up. These, you know, they're they're basically taking kids into a bar for whatever reason. What are they going to do there? Well, if it was anything like my childhood, get $5 and blow it all on a crane machine. (laughs) But you noticed. Yeah, I noticed one thing about the fishes. Each of the fish is dancing with the same color fish. There are a lot of different color fish, but there are no mixed race fish dancing. No. And it's kind of terrible it was awkward (laughs) once you noticed it you're just like oh god oh yep yep this is only like fish dance with like fish there's there's no you can't separate that gross and somehow the humans win the dance contest yeah i mean they've probably never underwater danced before and these fish probably know this is their first time and it's like wow that's really good yeah of course you've won that's awfully generous for this clearly racist citizenship of fish (laughs) Like, come on. Yeah. And also, like, they've got the octopus playing percussion just once. I want to see an octopus playing strings. We'll see yeah. an octopus playing four violins. Or trombone. Well, no, because then he'd have to have four mouths. Oh. Right. Yeah. No. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, octopus has eight arms. He doesn't have to just be the drummer. Yeah. He could also, pl- he could, he could be a whole string quartet. He could literally be a string quartet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Cool. So then they get caught on the, like the bed gets hooked by Baloo the bear's redneck cousin. Yes. Who else is not wearing pants? Who's I also mean, not wearing pants. It's uh, just another pantsless sailor in this. Movie. They're, they're thrown up on land now, which they, you know, and again, the, the effect is done really well. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like they don't belong. I mean, other than obviously they're real and this is animated sure but it and, looks like it fits together it doesn't and they look were like dry underwater to... and they're dry on land yeah but go on i mean it's who knows magic. magic the whole movie's magic whole movie's magic uh so they demand to go talk to the king who we learn thanks to his secretary bird he's in a mood that secretary bird is i mean always kept it together that secretary bird came out tattered and put his collar back on did those cufflinks back up the moment that he stopped in front of them he was good to go, mm-hmm. like completely composed. The king's not in a very good mood. Yes. King Leonidas, right? Leonidas? Yes. Yes. He's not in a good mood because the soccer game can't go on because they don't have a ref. And so Professor Brown's like, well, I can ref. Yeah. And everybody's like, ha ha, we got it. Like it. Like it's some sort of ruse. Like, like sure, he gets <laughs> trampled, but he comes out just fine. because So he's refereeing this soccer match, which they curiously call soccer until Charlie at one point says... Football. football yeah and is adamant about it right and like probably because they the couldn't actor get it. was an asshole about it. like right over they my didn't dead get body it. they did not get a take of him saying soccer <laughs> they so they couldn't like, uh. overdub it or anything it's like well i guess we have to he has to say football right so he's refing <laughs> this match between the dirty yellows and the true blues and it's not even all like predator versus prey like there's a healthy mix of of which animals are on which side. Yeah, but it's obvious which ones are more aggressive and the other ones that are a little more docile. Yeah. Well, I don't know, though. Hippos in real life? That's what I was just about to say. The hippos, they are mean. They are no, no, super, no. super mean. It's the warthog and the rhino that's super mean. The hippos on the blue team. No, but what I'm saying is this hippo... Mm, in real life. In real life, hippos are very aggressive, and whereas this hippo is... She's a sweetie pie. She's a sweetie pie. She's such a sweetie pie. And... Yeah, it's just it's funny that Disney does this in a lot of their movies. Yeah. Where hippos are always playing these very docile, cute, 
bumbly, you know. Right. Yeah. No, no, they are terrifying uh, in real life. But, you know, like the blue team had a cheetah on it, um, had an ostrich. Yes. There was a, a what was their ref? Or sorry, their, their goalie. Who was the blue team's goalie? Because the, the, it was a. It's a gorilla, a gorilla on the, on the other. Was it, um, was it an elephant? Was it? It was because it he was, uses his they, trunk to launch. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they pull the mouse out at one point. Right. Yes. So hilarity ensues. Yes. In this soccer game that needs a ref for some damn reason. Yeah. And keeps going back and forth. Josh really enjoyed the vultures every time they got trampled. Just the concept of vultures as the medics. Like, oh shit. Yeah. Someone's dead. Let's go get him. Yeah. Oh no. He's, he's <laughs> and then just fine. Turn around and walk gonna away. Gonna have to order burr, out burr, for burr, lunch. Burr, burr, burr. And then the ball gets caught in the warthog's horns at one point, and then suddenly he's a wheelbarrow. Right. And that doesn't pop the ball. That doesn't pop the ball. <laughs> no. At what point the hippo swallows it? Yeah. Gets punched in the gut. And it shoots across the field. Yeah. yeah. The hyena's being an asshole and gets trampled. <laughs> the uh, the ostrich her. puts her puts her head in the ground. Yep. And then eventually the soccer ball explodes and flies off like a balloon and the king just kind of like blows it into the blue net and they, they win. I guess it was whoever got to one point. I guess. Yeah. Who knows? So all of this, because like they'd noticed that the king is wearing the medallion around his neck, right. this Astaroth, Dr. Murrow character that they killed. Unless you think that was like, maybe he turned himself into that. No, no, lion? no, no, no. no. I, I definitely think that that lion ate that wizard and put that necklace on. Bless. hundred percent. And so they use a racial slur to describe a bait and switch and oh, right. they leave the whistle and they take the medallion and then the king realizes it when the secretary <laughs> bird blows on the whistle. Right. King comes after him. The lion's coming. The lion's coming. Rah, 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 rah. And they're like, oh no, what do we do? And then just like in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, someone reminds Eglantine that she's a witch. Right. You've got magic. You can literally <laughs> get yourself out of the situation. He grabs the knob. They put it on the thing. And then suddenly she forgets the spell that she's supposed to be well, using. No, she, she manages to turn him into a rabbit mostly. Like, oh, he still right. Has that's how. Yes. Lion's coming. Yes. Turns, turns him into a rabbit. They take the bed home. Yeah. He he grabs the, the medallion, says that women can't be trusted to hold things, basically, right. and puts it in his pocket. They get back. Right. He opens it up. It turns to cartoon dust. And she's like, oh, yeah, I that's right. I should have known. It's like, then why wouldn't you have read the medallion? Something before or something what? like I knew cartoon stuff couldn't exist in our world. How, but how did you know that? Yeah. How should you have known that? And then Paul, who's been this entire time, has been speaking truth to power and no one's been listening to him. He remembers the words and she's like, wait, wait, wait. Ha, ba, ba, ba. And he's like, it's been in my comic book the whole time. Yeah. The whole ha- past half hour. <laughs> we didn't have to do. If you just listen from the mouths of babes, right? Yeah. So she's got the spell. It doesn't work. Professor Brown, his fix is. Let's just say it a bunch of times in song. In song, in rhythm. <laughs> and so he, she decides to enchant his shoes for some reason, revealing that he got some nasty socks. It was gross. Some like nasty... He took his shoes off and it's just like, oh, oh no. But like the rest of his outfit looks fine. fine. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that he looked tattered in any sort of way. Yeah. But like, it's just that one thing that like, I guess it's. Maybe it's just a, like a look of inside, like, yeah, 
on the surface, he he looks really great, but like the moment that you start digging into it, yeah, there's holes everywhere. Everywhere. Like maybe that's what it is. Like but... his rampant misogyny. I like that read, actually, yeah. Clancy. That's a really <laughs> clever. Look at you, little film critic. I mean. Little film theorist. People are like onions, you know, like. <laughs> that's that's not a Disney property. It's not. So we don't talk about it. But she, it goes out of control. It's not just the shoes. It's her whole her damn whole closet. Cl- wardrobe. Her stockings out. come out. Like, she got some Step thick in. thighs because yes, those stockings were inflated. The, either the ghost in those socks, or like I don't know who they were made maybe, for. Maybe it was just like as they were testing her, they were putting these props together. Like it looked like the wind enough. sock That's outside of an airplane. Like That's it was huge, enough. and they just found the thickest like mannequin leg they could. Triple and then triple XL silk with stockings. Two C's. Yeah, goodness. <laughs> So yeah, her whole closet explodes and becomes possessed. Eventually the Vickers coming for some reason and gets accosted by her nightgown. Yeah. Like his hat pops off and like, I don't know what the range. Well, we'll get to this later. Apparently the range on this thing is insane. <laughs> the spell goes awry and she starts beating herself up because she's not perfect on the first try. It worked. Everything right. came to life. What were you expecting? She wanted, she, she did the thing that she wanted to do. She and got then the it, spell. And then it, did everything else. Like, isn't that what you want to do? I guess just because she didn't, because it was a loss of control because she didn't intend to do that. Maybe. Oh, this worked too well or whatever this, we can't do yeah. this anymore. So professor Brown's trying to cheer everybody up. Yeah. And he's being really wholesome and not misogynistic for the first time. All, yeah. All no, show. super sweet. And super like, sweet. I was like, and Oh, then we get a knock, nice. knock, knock from old girl. Postmistress slash child seller. Yeah. First, the humane society, historical society from the <laughs> and she's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, remember how you didn't want these kids? I found somebody to take them, and then yeah. suddenly she's like, oh no, wait, child labor. I mean, I love them now. After two days, I yeah. mean, we went to a cartoon place. It's and they've then in, they've imprinted, and then Charlie. It's exactly what it is. They've imprinted because because Charlie especially is like, and he's our dad now. <laughs> I mean, basically. Oh. And either either he has a self-reflective moment of I am not a good enough man to be a husband to her or a father to these kids, comma, or <laughs> I I'm trying to catch millions. I ain't trying to catch feelings. Exactly. <laughs> one oh. of one of these two things is true. And it's because seems, he dips because he immediately leaves. dips out. You know what? No, you guys are fine. And then as he's walking out, he's like, you know, you're a coward. I am honestly kind of surprised there wasn't a song here. I wish I well, had to go. Because you know why? I have to, mm. Because in Mary Poppins, it was the reprise of the life I lead. Oh, a British man. Yeah, I guess it does make sense. They couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. in terms of story beat. That's why it feels. Anyway, he wanders off to the train station as they're closing up for the night. Yep. And he asks the, the train man. The engineer, the station master, probably uh, when the next train is, he's like, nothing until the milk job in the morning. And I'm like, hey, what's a milk job? <laughs> Wait, oh, hold I on. I it. I just sure. I just put two and two together here. Yeah. I didn't realize that the milk job that he was talking about was directly related to what I thought were pylons <laughs> that were to prevent people from falling off the edge. No, that's why I didn't understand what you didn't understand. He said the milk job. <laughs> it's a train that comes by with milk and they pull a little lever and it fills those tins. I thought I thought they were like guard posts, you know, steer clear of like the closing um, doors. Like, like you know, pollards like those are, yeah. along the, or bollards or whatever. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought. And I was, and then 
when they got knocked over, I'm like, why weren't those secured down? So, oh, this makes so much more yeah, sense. Yeah, they were waiting for the milk delivery. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so because there's no train till the milk job, yeah. he decides to go to sleep on that bench as he's beating himself up. And he's having this really cathartic moment, but then he slips into a dream of Angela Lansbury in that showgirl outfit on the balance beam that is the rail line. Oh, no. Yeah. And she's singing that song kind of like ghostly. Coco Cabana. I, mean, I don't know. A, but a plus for Angela Lansbury getting in that outfit. Yeah. No, she, she looked, looked dynamite. Yes. But screw that misogynistic. <laughs> Again. Yeah. That's all that he was like. That's what I think of her. He does that. Meanwhile, she's going to put the cat out. And what does she see over the wall? Nazis. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And this is where you felt the film could end. Right. I thought the film was done. Honestly, he like left and I was like, oh, this is sad, but hey, at least you got the kids. Like, you know, right. Like that's, that's where I thought it was ending. And then suddenly there were Nazis and I lost my mind. And truly the movie kind of loses the plot, but that's, that's why I loved it. <laughs> it goes way off the rails. She can't remember the spell to turn the guy into. Well, Angela Lansbury doesn't go off the rails. She, she, she stays on that rail until she disappears. You're absolutely correct. She absolutely does. So the Nazis take over her house. And the the reasoning here is so that the prime minister knows that they can do it. Yes. And so he'll be a little bit more kinder in peace talks. I don't know if this actually happened or if this was a concern. I real again, I'm not a World War II scholar. Right. This seems bananas. <laughs> And then she can't remember the same damn... The spell that she has used, I, I'm pretty sure, three times in this film. Multiple Actually, times. Yes, three times. And she can't... Your memory, Miss Price. A, how dare you? You've known me less than a week. B, you're a young child with a better memory than I have. Why haven't you memorized it, asshole? Like all of these kids. The only person that was able to remember... Well, no, is it because he got, he got a hold he, of the book? So, yeah. So, he sneaks into her little hut. Right. Her so, little, they get taken away. Because they, oh, they cause no, a bunch your, of ruckus. your favorite part, though. So, like, he gets woken up. Right. When they're cutting the lines. Yeah. He notices that, oh, shit, there's people cutting lines. Nazis. Immediately. Instead of, yeah, raising the alarm and screaming at the top of his lungs, the Nazis are here. He just tries to walk away and go inside. And they see him. And, and then, he ducks and then inside becomes, for a hot second. It's like a Charlie Chaplin skit. They go outside. They come back in. They get knocked over somehow. And he punches and, both of them. Yes. Into the pylons oh, that you thought yeah. were poorly weighted. <laughs> it turns out they were just waiting for milk. Then runs back to the house because now he's realized, oh, they might be in danger. Meanwhile, they've been taken to this his historical society. Museum Humane place. society, right. He realizes they're not there. He manages to turn himself into a rabbit to get away from it. <laughs> right. But that's because he gets in there. He finds that half of the book and then does the spell. No, no, no. Or does he remember it? He finds her notes. Remember, because then he makes that snarky comment. Oh, women don't know how to file things oh, properly. Right. Like he's still being a dick. Still a dick. Turns himself into a rabbit, runs back into town to the historical society. Right. Where these German dunces, one of them's like, Haas and Feffa, like wants to kill, shoot and kill the rabbit. Right. And the other one has to tell him, and I'm just assuming here because there's no subtitles for any of the German. Yes. There's an entire film in German (laughs) set within this film. And we have no idea. Because yeah, it just says speaks German on the bottom. That's, that's all it says. Yeah. There's no actual subtitles. We don't know what they're saying. No, I don't even think it's the, I th- I'm sure it makes sense. So he gets back in the historical society. They're freaking out about what to do. And suddenly this time she intentionally overblows the spell. Right. And then suddenly she's on the broom with the helmet and the union Jack. And she's commanding an army of thousands of, of undead. 
undead, just basically <laughs> empty suits of armor. Is she a lich queen? Now, we start with maybe 15 sets of armor, yeah. right? Which is totally understandable for this historical society castle yes. to maybe have. You know, they, they have one at the end of every hallway. I don't know. Okay. So just the suits of armor in, in the building. But then, like, as it grows, suddenly there are, like, 50 to 100 <laughs> sets of armor. Where are these and all then stored? And like, 90-second long shot of just Oh, armor. of them going out the, yeah. like Armor for miles. Right. And all of this, I mean, is happening while... The Nazis are basically fighting these empty suits of armor. Yes. And it's Which are all chanting the spell. Right. Until they aren't. And then once again, hilarity ensues. The Nazis are shooting them. The suit of armor takes off its its boot and just floats it in the air. Yeah. And then bullets come out. It's just, yeah, it's it's a comedy. It is. It's like like maybe like five or six skits of they, like well, and it's the same joke over and over and right. over again. It's bullets kind of, into a not into a, a suit of armor that then dumps them out. Everybody's standing up to the Nazis. The one thing, though, here is that while all of this is happening, none of the Nazis are dying. None of them are dying. Nobody is. Nobody is dying. Those archers shoot and like outline that guy in arrows. And she's like, good shot. No, No. it's awful. None of these people are dying. And they just chase the Nazis out of England. Not try to destroy the Nazis because. At most, (laughs) someone's got a concussion. Well, yeah, because there was one. What what do you call those? Are they halberds? It was like a mace. Mace. Those are the ones that are like spiky on the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of them takes that and knocks one of the Nazis on the head and makes a big dent in his helmet. Yeah. Like his skull is caved in. And then it's just fine. The end. <laughs> Professor Brown enlists. He decides he's going to go enlist to help finish out the war. Yeah. He's going to be with, you know, the old home guard. That's basically the end. It, it basically, basically end. resolves. Like, <laughs> and we don't, we don't get to see her do any other witchy sort of things. I don't know. I, I remember loving this movie as a kid, but it really is. It's so much more light on plot even than Mary Poppins. Yeah, for sure. Think about it. It is, it is just a bunch of set pieces that have all been kind of strung together. But it's so delightful. And it the music's is, so I did good. enjoy it. Yes. It's gorgeous like said, to watch. It was very, very pretty. And, and like, I it sounds like we're being critical, but. It's, I mean, well, it's an old movie. I mean, we're going to have. We're going to have problems with most of the movies that we're going to see, especially in today's lens. But again, it doesn't doesn't take away from what how we enjoy it. No. See also cats. Some other stuff about the movie. It was it was nominated for other Oscars. It was nominated for costume design. It was Bill Thomas. Yep. Which lost to Nicholas and Alexandra, which is basically if Anastasia had a prequel. It's about like the Romanovs. Okay. Yeah. They also lost to that one for art direction too. And then it was up against, or it was also nominated for best scoring, uh, but they lost to Fiddler on the Roof, which came out that same year, mm. which kind of makes sense. But yeah, it was the last film released prior to the death of Walt's brother, Roy O. Disney. And apparently they're adapting it for the stage. And next year we're supposed to have a bed knobs and Brunces musical. That would be pretty rad. Actually. I am. I am kind of into that. I'd see it. We saw Mary Poppins live. Yeah. No, I liked that. You no, know, to sort like- of circle back. But we liked Bedknobs and Broomsticks, yeah. Yeah, I did. I really did enjoy it. I thought it was very funny. I thought that all the songs were super great. Again, like we said, the, the visually, it's it's uh, it's very well done. The restoration was great. The effects were great. This, this looks great. You could see strands of Angela Lansbury's hair underneath the water, and it looked sharp and clear. Not at all wet. Not, not, not at all wet. But sharp and clear. I really did enjoy it. Me too. You'd recommend this one, yeah? You'd recommend Ben Noms and Brooms to someone who hadn't seen it. For sure. It's I mean, if you if you like Mary Poppins, you're gonna love Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. I agree. Cool. Well, where are we going from here? 
Well, so I think we mentioned it on on the intro slash last episode, but so we did one that you had not seen, but I had. Yes. And I think we do one that I have not seen that you have, and we do Muppet Treasure Island. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I what do you like? Tell me what you like about Muppet, Muppet Treasure Island. Yeah. Muppet Treasure Island was one of those that I watched over and over and over again. I love all of the music in it. So I'm really excited to see you uh, react to that. Yeah. I so. feel like, yeah, it's one I never saw because I feel like it hit theaters as I was in junior high. That's when I started getting into Star Wars, actually. Okay. So now yeah, Muppets weren't it. really a really a thing. And, yeah. and I being five years younger than my husband over here, <laughs> yeah. there are definitely some things that we haven't, uh, some some missed overlaps. Or so, sure. sorry, some missed things that were during that overlap. That said, so, on yeah. our first date, I asked you if you could sing the Gummy Bears theme song, and you did. And that was how I knew that I was not They're too old. They're here and there and everywhere. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. so, okay, cool. So we're going to do Muffet Treasure Island next. That's really exciting. I think that's it for now. Where can they find me on social media, Clancy? Well, they can find you on uh, Twitter at uh, Josh Watchin TV. That's without the G. Yeah. Um, they can also find you on Instagram at the same. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. And then what about me? You are C-L-N-C-Y without the A yeah. on both Twitter and Instagram. Right. And then you can follow Nonplus the podcast on all the things as Nonplus Pod, right? It's Nonplus yes. Pod on Twitter, Nonplus Pod on Facebook, Nonplus Pod on Instagram. And nonpluspod.com. And nonpluspod.com. Yeah, but uh, I would subscribe through like iTunes or... Uh, yes, we're on iTunes. We're on... Yep. Uh, so we're on Stitcher, Spotify, Spotify. Are we on Pandora yet? Uh, we've applied for Pandora. <laughs> they said it might take like six to seven weeks. We'll figure it out. Who knows? But I wherever you really listen matter. to us, you should yeah. rate, review, and subscribe if if you're so uh, inclined. Yes, please. And um, yeah, we'll do Muppet Treasure Island next time. And uh, oh, submissions at nonpluspod.com. Yes, submission at nonpluspod.com. That's going to be where if you have a movie that you think that we might be interested in. Or if you've got a counterpoint or something that we missed, your favorite part that you wanted to call out, whatever. Shoot us an email about it. Submissions at nonpluspod.com. So that's it, yeah? I think that is. Should we go try to find a place for our giant Ursula? We should. And that's not a euphemism, right? Well, thank you all for listening. (laughs) And we hope to see you back next time. Yeah. On Nonplus. A Disney Plus podcast. Um, so, ooh, uh, ooh, I, <laughs> so now he's not in the room. He's, uh, he's actually, uh, doing something else. He's left. So it's just me and you. How are you? Mm, that's nice. It's kind of like Dora the Explorer. Or Explorer. I don't know. It's a, I don't know if it's supposed to rhyme or not, but it, it doesn't rhyme.